Welcome to the Patmos Podcast. I'm Cooper Wagner, and I'm often joined by my partner, Cole Jones. Here at Patmos, we're on a mission to be the healthiest investment firm in the world. Part of how we plan on doing that is by learning from men who've gone before us in life and business. So I hope you enjoy these conversations, and thanks for listening in. If you find them helpful, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, or just shoot us an email, which can be found on our website at patmoscp.com. All right, well, let's just jump in. We're we're here today with <clears throat> Rogers Healy. You just pointed at him. <laughs> Did I? I'm not Rogers Healy. Rogers Healy, and and uh, just making sure everybody knows yeah. that. Um, and Cole. And, and Cole. Cole. And this is our co-host Cooper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have the intro that comes. You know, they'll they'll get this. This is just us jumping in. This is how we go viral. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, um, if you're from Dallas, you probably have seen Roger's face all over the place. You're, at, you're looking at me. Like, I, ha- I see my face all the time. Right? Yeah. Do you ever get the, the, when you start speaking publicly, a lot of people hate the sound of their own voice. Do you ever get the, like, you see yourself, and you're like, God, I should have used a better picture today. Man, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think that <laughs> the billboard evolution, if that's what you're talking about, yeah. has been uh, kind of humbling. Um, but I think now, finally, the last one that was up, my wife was like, all right, like that's... We, it's that, a good that, looking suit. Yeah. You look good in it. Because I didn't get my hair cut during COVID. And so I had a, one whole phase of the billboards for like a year where my hair was touching my jacket. And I think that it literally cost us potential agents coming to work for us because they're like, ah, oh, the guy with the mullet. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. Mullets I, are in though. Mullets, mullets are back. Are yeah. Mustaches yeah. are back. I got eight more days until I bring the stash back. Oh, you're going stash? Yeah. I just shaved mine off. You can it barely tell. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love I love a good mustache and a good mullet. But I love that. Yeah. Well, we would love to to get a just little background on your story. Where are you from? How'd you? I mean, we know what you're doing now, but we'd let, yeah. you're better at telling the story than we are. So, we'd love to just get sure get the uh, Rogers story. Yeah, Texan uh, from South Texas. I'm not going to give you the whole story, but just the evolution of kind of yeah. what got me here. I uh, was born in Corpus and Corpus Christi. Uh, for all you uh, believers, Body of Christ. Uh, Texas. That's <laughs> really Corpus Christi. Yeah. Corpus Christi. That's yeah. what that's from. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> yeah. If we had a Jamie with boy. like Rogan, we'd be like, Jamie, pull that up. Yeah, it might be like, actually, it stands for like Diet Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's just, yeah, I got to Dallas and I was a, uh, I was a fresh, I was a sophomore in high school driving here. And when we got here, as we entered the city limits, I was a second semester freshman, which kind of set the course for me. Um, whatever, I was a late bloomer. And I think that story kind of captures it pretty quickly. But um, never found success, wasn't very popular, never made the sports team, didn't have a girlfriend until college. Um, and the common theme with all that before I found real estate was um, I was just lazy. And I think, you know, couple that with just there weren't a lot of things that excited me, which I think being mentally lazy is almost as bad as being physically lazy. Um, but didn't really feel like I had a purpose. I grew up in a Christian family. I always had, you know, a, st- a strong background and supportive family, but they never, I don't think anybody ever saw anything in me, which, you know, is, is dangerous. Um, then you reach a phase where you kind of want to prove everybody wrong. But um, my, I think, figured out phase was college, like a lot of people. And I went to Highland Park High School here, which was Go Scots. Go Scots, <laughs> which was dangerous. And yeah. I think when you're surrounded by people that don't know failure, that a lot of them come from uh, very wealthy families, which that wasn't our background, but we were blessed. Um, that wasn't really reality. And like the lack of diversity, the lack of 
you know, authenticity, et cetera, um, became normal to everyone except for me. And I grew up, we lived in a trailer park before we moved to, to Dallas. So I yeah. just had a different yeah. background. Anyway, so get to college and learn how to be a leader and all the stuff that I ran from, I started running too. And it filled me up. It filled me, gave me life. And then, you know, kind of with what I do now for my day job, eventually got into real estate, which is a whole other story. But the short of it is, the first record I broke was I took the real estate exam more than anyone in the history of Texas. I took it, <laughs> I took it 22 yeah. times. Yeah, literally. It's not an easy exam, by the way. Yeah, how many times did you take it? Once. Yeah, okay, right, but, but this guy is almost very failed. smart. Almost well, but he just was trying to relate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, just I, I got, I, I've always been a salesperson. I think that uh, first thing you sell is yourself. And so I learned how to lever that and make some money and grew it into a business and, you know, in it for the for the right reasons now, but got into it initially to go and tell people that hey, it's a I, I can do something right, right. Um, and here we are. So, would you say twenty seven times? Twenty two. Twenty two. Maybe I think twenty two <laughs> is where yeah. I stopped counting. Yeah. That's as far as I actually could count. Yeah. Um, so what what was the why did you keep persisting to to get into real estate? What was the love there? What was there the, wasn't a love, and there's still not a love, you know. I, and and I and I used to kind of hide behind that, but my love is people, and I think that whether it's real estate or podcasting or working in the church, whatever it is, I mean, it's hard to go in and, and create something brand new. Yeah. And and biblically, ironically, I think a real estate salesperson is the oldest salesperson in the history of the world. It's the oldest sales. It's the oldest sales job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, real estate was never, I never walked in and like, oh my God, this is a beautiful silo or, right. you know, look at these countertops. It was always about the relationship. And when you can couple that with making money, it was, it was worth it. Um, and I also could compete back in the day, this is almost 25 years ago against people that were stale yeah. and didn't know how to self-promote and were, would cringe at the idea of something as extreme as a billboard, but also social media. Yep. And, you know, I learned how to fight that because my background was in failing. And when people are talking crap about you, like, like it's great. They're talking. Yeah. Uh, and it just, my, my skin became thicker, which all, it wasn't necessarily a great thing long-term, but yeah, it just was a disruptor effect. And I stayed in it because I loved what I could give people the gift of confidence and, you know, having a company that I could own gave me a different purpose. Yeah. I love it. There it's it is. Good. The you, phrase I told you I'd say 30 times. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Let's I love go. It. Um, so we, uh, you just mentioned this. One of the things that I think for for us even, and a lot of young guys now, if you, I mean, especially in Dallas, it's oversaturated with everything. Everybody is, there's a, there's Podcast 30 of service. every single industry. Podcasters, real, real, yeah. Multifamily guys. It's, I mean, whatever it is, there's 30 of you here. So how'd you, how'd you break through that barrier? I mean, some of it, you just said creativity, yeah. you know, um, changing the way you do things, but what, what, how'd you do it? And then what advice would you have to somebody that's trying to do that now? Yeah. I mean, cliche response. I don't know if I have done it. I think that every day I'm still kind of figuring out what I'm supposed to be doing. But for me, I never, I don't have that. I'm not, I'm truly not book smart guy. And I didn't grow up. I didn't, I don't have that part of my brain. It's like, let me think on it. It's like, I just act and you know through that by being a volume player you do enough things enough times you figure out what works and you know I, I went through multiple phases of wanting to be cool wanting to work with people that I thought were you know unicorns and then I realized that if I can just be around people that I like all day the law of attraction is really powerful in business and that's a whole other story in itself where obviously my, I, I manage people for a living whether it's 
people on my personal team, people that work for me as agents or people that are in HR. And right when you think you've made it you, and you stop spinning plates, it's like one of them quits. One of them steals from you. One of them, it's like, oh God, which is a whole nother challenge. But having the background in, you know, doing that at all phases, like an orchestrator, right? Mm-hmm. People don't know this, but an orchestrator, for the most part, if Cooper's playing violin and Cole's playing cello and you fall off the stage, they can pop in and take over. And I didn't realize it, but I could kind of do that other than accounting. Um, but that just took me a long time. But, you know, it's, it's real estate's just a unique animal. And, yeah. um, you know, it takes away a lot of the innocence when you start realizing how people really are. But, you know, people that have resiliency stick it out. It's mm, good. You, you talked about whenever you, you, know, you were at SMU going back to college, you kind of learned how to lead when you were there. How did you how did you learn that? I don't I don't know if you I don't know if you learn. Maybe I shouldn't have said I learned how to be a leader. I just I I just did it. You just did it. And I think that you know it's a blessing and a curse being responsible. And I'm the guy. There's that show. What would you do? I don't know if it's on anymore, but it's always like the hidden guy that. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I would be yeah. the guy every time that would go and like I I, I can't keep my mouth shut. You know, if somebody's doing something wrong, it's all, I'm like, oh, God, I have to go in. <laughs> Here I go again. You know, and that was my yeah. dad growing up. I always remember he would always stand up for the little guy or someone getting bullied physically or verbally. But being a leader, it's just assuming responsibility and realizing that, you know, again, blessing and a curse. If someone's going to do it right, it's probably going to be me, which, again, puts you on an island. And it makes you realize that, you know, there's not a lot of people that actually want to make a difference in the world, which... You know, you can take that one way or the other, but for a long time it just angered me and I was cynical and I was like, man, I don't, I'm by myself all the time. But at college it was diverse. I went mm-hmm. to SMU, which surprisingly is a very diverse school. Mm-hmm. Culturally, just sp- like spiritually, everything. And I was around people that I wanted to be around. And it wasn't just people that looked like me and that went to the same school. It was people that had common interests and had common beliefs. And the common thread is that they all wanted to probably do something way bigger than get a degree in advertising. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had, a, I think, a gift to just speak authentically. Yeah. And it was fun. So do you feel, where, where do you feel like you started to step into that leadership more? Like what, what were the practical, what were the realms that you felt like you've got your first stats? Yeah, at? I mean, as dumb as it sounds, my fraternity. I had, I like, I grew up watching every frat movie in the world and no one in my family had ever been in a fraternity. And I just thought the concept of that was so cool. And um, I went into it very ignorantly, but I was, you know, I did all the, I did the work no one else wanted to do, whether it was for the philanthropy or the social, like all the liability stuff and all the stuff that took high organization, I did it. And I remember you know, you ride the wave and the very first party that I threw as a sophomore in college um, and I put together a party, like a frat party. And it mm-hmm. was super fun. And I remember waking up the next day and I was so happy because I, at that moment, as dumb as it sounds, that was probably the highlight of my life. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> literally. Well, people, you got to, you got to bring people together, yeah. let them enjoy something. Yeah. And it was a costume party. I mean, it was just fun. And I remember yeah. this one guy coming up to me the next morning and I've shared this story a bunch, but he just said it's the worst party I've ever been to. And I was, and it was, I was so deflated and I called my dad and I was like, man, I can't believe this. I thought it was great. And, you know, very stoically just said, the higher up you get, the easier it is to shoot you down. Mm. And I was 20 and I had literally never had any, I had no responsibility up to that point, maybe ever. And I just took that. I was like, all right, I got to wear it like a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And again, you kind of stack the chips and learn more, but yeah, fraternity life. And then I levered that to get involved with the 
Campus Crusade for Christ and for the journal, like the student newspaper. And I would read them like, oh, there's not a sports reporter. I'll do it. Yeah. And I'd never written. I was just, I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD and I just learn how to kind of navigate. But it's really just asking the questions. And when you have a background in failure, your fear kind of is someone saying yes. But worst case, you shut me down. I'm like, all right. I yeah. Keep yeah. swinging. That's good. So you studied advertising in SMU. Yeah. Why'd you want to study that? I didn't. I couldn't get into the business school. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just the, um, there was really cute girls in the class. I heard it wasn't very hard. And um, yeah, that's the truth. I, yeah. I, and I didn't realize I was, I think, relatively remotely creative. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a path. There wasn't like a path I wanted to take. And even in, in the classes, like, how am I ever going to use this? Yeah. Right. But obviously, yeah. it kind of set me up for um, what I've been able to do, taking a stale, you know, industry and kind of yeah. turning it on its back but yeah well and i think that's that's one of the things that as as people see in dallas i mean you're a marketing machine and so let's just talk about that a little bit what makes marketing what you know what makes you good at marketing well, if i'm good at it i think i'm just simple it's like let's here's a great example so um there's this, uh, liquid death this yep. is sponsored by liquid death this is sponsored by liquid <laughs> death and if i'm if i'm smart i'm gonna drink liquid death on your show like this where People see it, they see the can, they hear that I'm refreshed. If I was not a great marketer, I would drink it like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's just, it's just simple things like that. Where and I'm, you'd I'm, be weird if you drink it like but, that. But I'm just saying, point being, it is, it doesn't, you don't have to try too hard. It, it's simple. And so I think that with marketing, there's stuff that I've done that's pretty extreme, but it's really not. It's just the fact that everyone is afraid that they'll get made fun of or they'll get shot down. And obviously everything comes with people you know, speaking, but the ones that are talking the most, ironically, are the ones that are probably our clients. Mm -hmm. And at the root of it, they're all commonly threaded by being jealous of the boldness, which really isn't bold. It's just the fact that that we try it. So, um, you know, I'm a real estate company, but I like companies like Liquid Death or Apple or Google or Mizzen and Main or whatever, Nike, where it kind of talks to everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's reached a point where I think I own an advertising company and our, one of our clients is my real estate firm. Yeah. That's, I mean, as we've gotten into this, we've, we've seen marketing be the biggest expense for us for sure. And the most beneficial thing we do. I mean, we have just over 250 investors yeah. and most of them are from 30 other States. Yeah. Um, and, and most of them have never met us in person we talk to them on zoom or phone calls and some of them have come in to meet us just depending on, you know, what they feel like they should do. But, um, it's been all through marketing, targeted, yeah. targeted marketing. And, um, I think we we've watched you do it and yeah. seen tons of success. I mean, if you see a house in Dallas for sale, yeah. there's a, Hopefully, 50% chance your your name's going to be on it. I, I don't know. If, I hope. I just, yeah. I'm just throwing that out <laughs> no, there. No, that's no, what I, it feels like. But I mean, again, it's hard. And even with targeted, like paid advertising, it works. But that's really more, maybe for what we do, it's an exposure game. Mm -hmm. And again, like marketing, like the, and learn this in college. The, you know, the mother of all learning is repetition. And the only way to really make a difference in marketing is to never stop marketing, which you take a digested approach to that, like, oh, God, this is going to cost me a lot of money. And I didn't have a lot of money when I, I don't, I didn't have a lot of money when I started. So I had to just machine gun approach it with just everybody I would meet, I would introduce myself to, cause that's who I was anyway. But mm -hmm. I was like, great. The more people that I meet, the more that know me and eventually the more opportunities I'm going to get. And I just kind of started building it very simply, but 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it works. Mm -hmm. In a city like Dallas, there's 70,000 people that do what I do, mm -hmm. literally. And that's like one in every four people in Dallas is a real estate person. That's crazy. So it's exhausting. Yeah. So how do you stand out? It's like you be memorable. And how do you actually close deals? You know what you're doing. How do you get referrals? You're a good person. Mm -hmm. And that approach, it, it works. But trying to go and shepherd five, six, a thousand people that work for me, to take that approach is really hard. Yeah. And it's because a lot of them had a background in being successful. When I'm like, you gotta humble yourself, you gotta start with this stuff, but the right ones, you know, appreciate it and here we are. So with with that, how do you think through, you know, um, just out of curiosity, and there may not be a huge strategy, maybe like that was the simple thing to do that yeah. day. But billboards versus, you know, Mavs versus um, online marketing, how do you kind of think through that strategy? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I do. I, 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 we have people on our team that, you know, are they help put stuff together that, that kind of works, but I'm a gut instinct guy. Like, like I was an investor in Liquid Death. Kay. And I was like, all right, I feel good about this. I think it's going to be a big deal. And it's been awesome. But I didn't have to sit there and read through their numbers and take a deep dive. I was like, I, would, I can sell this. Yeah. Right? And, and I can go and promote it, whether it's extreme on a podcast or it's literally just sitting in my car all day. And I think that's how I look at these partnerships. I'm like, all right, I'm a Mavericks fan. It's pretty simple. We're probably, it's going to be really expensive, but it's going to turn into stuff where we're recognized. We don't need the Mavericks logo or partnership to succeed, but it puts me on, it puts a company on a different platform mm -hmm. of credibility. Yeah. That's got value. Um, and we're at a point now where I can afford it, where, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of money five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I, I would have never dreamt about spending that because that was a huge chunk. But it kind of keeps me accountable where that stuff, I have to write a check every month for just that, yeah. which means we have to sell enough mm -hmm. real estate no matter the economy to, to you know, be able to do that comfortably. But yeah, it's a gut instinct and it's also aligning on stuff that's way more important than real estate. And I think some people are kind of whores for getting their name on, like, on everything. And for yeah. us, it's got to be something that actually makes sense. And you know, there's a reason we didn't do it for the Cowboys, right? Um, for real. And I'm not going to be associated with people or companies that I don't respect. Yeah. So to say on the liquid death thing, I mean, I've seen on more on Twitter and read some articles that they're like the fastest growing water company out there ever. Yeah. How, what was the, what was the thing that made you be like, this is going to be successful? Cause it's canned water. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and again, it, at first it's like kind of hokey and, and their, their marketing has evolved so much. And I'm a minuscule investor in the grand scale of people that are involved, but it makes sense. And I think that like the reason my real estate company did well at the beginning is a real estate company for the people that didn't have a real estate company. Right. And I was able to go and have younger people sell residential at the beginning for me that never would have gotten a chance at the established companies because I was, I, I, I was one of them. And with something like this, it's like water, literally the, like, how do you disrupt the most basic thing in <laughs> yeah. water? You go and you make a water for people that don't have you know, this marketed to them mm -hmm. or Evian or Dasani or Nestle. And it took, mm -hmm. right. And, and I, you know, have been a part of it for a little bit, not, not since day one, but I think just that approach with everything is so valuable and they weren't afraid to go, excuse me, there's an endorsement from <laughs> Water. They weren't afraid to go and speak to people that were the silent majority. And it's taken off. But the other part of it from an investment standpoint, liquid death is a, is a bold term, but the root of it is it's death to plastic. And 10% of the profits go to ocean pollution cleanup. So if somebody that is kind of curmudgeon 
They're like, oh, it's like, no, it's death to plastic. So 10% of the profits, which that's a lot of money, goes to making sure that our oceans are less polluted. They can't hate it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's just been fun, but that's, you know, the stuff that I've invested in, that's kind of the theme. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and it does make sense. And it, what I've thought is, the people I saw drink at first were podcasters. Yeah. And um, like the Steve O's and the Steve O's, yeah. the Theo Vaughn's. I mean, yeah. a lot of comedians, a lot of MMA guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, and it, it, MMA guy doesn't want to drink this, they want to drink that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but it, it, but it makes it's, sense. It's, it's, and it's, again, the whole, it's just water. And like, yeah. to me, it's just real estate. We're not, we're doing things different, but we're still making money writing the same contracts that the traditional companies write. It's just that when you create a community feel mm-hmm. and you have people, that feel like they're home, something as just basic as water becomes the the touch point. Yeah. And I think that people, as you get older in life, you want relationships that have a common theme of familiarity where it's not fake and, oh my God, you drink liquid death. It's like, yeah. we all drink water, yeah. right? But it's just brother. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but it's been fun to see it yeah. kind of you know grow all across the board. Yeah, I'll ask this question, then you can get into yeah. some of the Dallas market stuff. but. Um, on the on the topic of building a community, uh, how how many employees? And then I, don't, I mean, I'm sure I assume you consider your realtors your employees yeah. at some level. How many how many total employees does Roger Shealy have now? Yeah, um, probably right around five or six hundred. Okay, you know, it's it's a lot of it is realtors, which yeah, fortunately that's a volatile you know group of people, especially when interest rates double over the course of six months. You know, you're going to have some. Um, you're gonna have some 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 obstacles, but yeah, I'd say five to six hundred. And how have you, with the personal touch that you founded your company on, and you know, the, I I can't remember how you said it, but essentially like how do you get referrals? How do you get business? How do you get? You said one of them was how do you get referrals? Was be a good person. Yeah. How do you keep that consistent throughout six hundred people? How do you le- how do you build a culture um, that you're not? This yeah. is not a traditional company that people are in your office every day. No, no, I mean staff for the most part is but i don't know i started caring differently and i think having a kid honestly i keep t- it, it did change that where the stress that i would and i'm still stressed but the stuff that would consume me before being married or having a kid i lived and died by everybody and if somebody quit or if they it's like oh my god and it would just crush me and i'm finally just like screw it like i give you every opportunity we give you every opportunity to be successful i do everything i can to be an authentically genuine leader and if you take advantage of that in a negative way, bye. And it's kind of a lethal approach, but I feel like it's made me a stronger leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard, man. And, and, you know, stuff slips through the cracks and the toilet gets flushed when it needs to. But for the most part, the people that are all in that believe and trust the company and me are extremely successful, not just financially. And that's, you know, a big reason to keep doing this. Where mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with my friend this morning for most people in my position, there's no end goal. It's like, how do you actually enjoy life when you're just worried about hiring or sustaining or making money? It's like, then what, right? And I have to just go and take these moments to reflect and realize like, all right, I got something special, but this is not what defines me. Mm-hmm. And making money or having the biggest company or the best, I'm still gonna sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, doing the podcast, like I told you, that's where I had my moment. I was interviewing people about not being sellouts and I was like, oh my God, I was like, I'm the biggest sellout truly that I know. And it's given me a really strong sense of peace. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good, man. I, I want to double click on that having a kid piece too, because 
I do feel like, feel like for me and Coop, that changed our lives in a lot of ways. Yeah. How did that change your perspective? Um, I don't know if it changed my perspective, but it's, you know, cliches are cliche for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it just made me care less about everything. Realize priorities more than yeah. anything. Yeah. And again, like I, I got married late. I became a father <clears throat> older than I would have expected, but it still happened. And it's just, again, you sit there, again, with a wife is the coolest thing ever, and a baby is a different kind of cool, but I just stopped caring. And I don't care about the emails I get at 10 o'clock at night or mm-hmm. the mean text message. It's like, whatever. And if I'm myself, <laughs> for real, and if I'm myself and I can embrace that, then I'm at peace. And I want to be joyful around my daughter. Yeah. And um, my wife, one of the most pivotal moments of my life, my wife is the greatest woman ever. You met her. Um, she's calm and she's relatively quiet compared to me, which means a lot of the person, a lot of the conversation is based on just blah, 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 <laughs> me. And right before our daughter was born, her name's Henley. Um, my wife just told me straight up, you bring home so much negativity, which means all the stuff I would deal with during the day at work that would just come at me and I wouldn't go and bounce back. I would just dump it at home. And she told me that I was like, all right, I got to really change something. Mm. And so, yeah, it just was a pretty quick decision to, care more about my family than my work and my work at that moment became my job where yeah. it used to be yeah. my life yeah I had a had a buddy once tell me one time he 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 was leaving work and he was going home and he said it's time to clock in and it, just that that sense of like I never thought about it it's as simple as like oh you you feel like you clock in going to work but you're actually you know clocking in going home yeah and so just the easier uh, said than done but yeah yeah for yeah. sure so what uh the I keep saying we'll jump in at interest rates in the market, but um, you said you got to enjoy life. Your work is, you know, you got to eventually you got to find a way to not just grind. Yeah. Obviously, family is one of those things, but I know you also are yeah. extremely passionate about music. Yeah. So how'd you how'd you get into music, and what's your yeah? Uh, it's, it's just it, this is an interesting part of Rogers that no, we talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I, I am a grinder, uh, but I think a better word for me is I'm ex- I'm extreme I'm with everything. And I think in life, you're all in or you're all out with friendships, with relationships, with your faith, with whatever. And I've always been a collector. And I think that it goes back to the familiarity thing. Another liquid death endorsement. <laughs> um, I've always like memorabilia, like memories, memorabilia, memories, they write the root word memory, um, which I just realized that. I've always loved music and I've always found a way to connect with a song or an artist or a lyric or a sound differently and I always thought it was normal and then as I got older I started to realize that the stuff that I knew about was unique and then it became you know when I was in my teens probably an obsession to go and share the story and so you know blah 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 um, I started collecting music memorabilia when I was like three or four years old. And it started with just basic autographs, meeting people and whatnot. And then when I was able to afford it, I would start buying just weird, random, fun stuff that again, was coupled with being able to share a story. Mm-hmm. And as my career took off and I became you know, successful, more successful, whatever it is, um, I, clung, I would cling to these pieces because it made me feel like a kid mm-hmm. and um you know it got to the point where ironically on sunday night we rented out uh josie records here in dallas which is the country's largest record store and the guys that own it are friends of mine and i was just kind of like talking without thinking and one of the things i said is you guys got to find your music and it doesn't necessarily mean music but whatever the thing is that your family your faith your friends your your career but you got to have something that 
checks you out. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's what it's always been. And it's just reached a point where like 10, 12 years ago, I was like, oh my God, there's a real need for me to go and talk about whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just, it's the most fun thing that I'm a part of. That's awesome. Thanks. So how many, um, how many concerts a year do you go to? Different now with a newborn. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go pre-newborn. 40 to 50. Um, and again, way more fun with a, a part with my wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I also, like, the, ironically, the year that I met my wife, this is kind of dark, but I went on my uh, death tour, and I went and made a point to see every artist I hadn't seen that could at any day just be like, oh, okay, they died, not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was hoping that wasn't you. Like, no, 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 no. I'm like, all right, this is it. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's just be done. Uh, no, and it, so, yeah, it just brings me a different joy. And surprisingly, and even now, I still every once in a while go to a concert by myself. It's just fun because you're with people that the one thing that you all are here for is the music. Yeah. And, you know, rarely do you leave a concert like, I'm mad. Or yeah. I'm sad. But, yeah. Unless it's like Chris Stapleton. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been, to, I've been to a lot of concerts. That's awesome. Man, I was going to break out in Chris Stapleton right now, but I won't. Let's talk real estate. Let's yep. talk interest rates. Let's, yep. let, let's pivot. That's why we're really here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So to frame up the market, I mean, you know, I think residential real estate specifically is is where you can kind of gauge where the market's going with, with commercial and everything else. So talk to us about what you're seeing in Dallas specifically in the residential real estate market. Mm. Um, it's still busy, right? And I know it's a, a cliche answer, but I'll tell you what I saw the last two and a half years was just dumb. And it, I don't think it was enjoyable. And it was like from a like a leader perspective, I would watch people get their hearts broken every day from the realtor side, which mm -hmm. means they had to go break the hearts of the people that thought they were going to get the house they put their 17th offer on. <laughs> uh, but I think that it's stabilized, but it's also we're in a unique uh, position here where we're blessed in DFW to have what most people don't have, and that's people y'all's age that are qualified to purchase. And on top of that, there's people y'all's age that are moving here in groves, mm -hmm. which means basic supply and demand is plain true. So, you know, it's still really busy. We still coincidentally have a shortage of inventory, but when you go and have interest rates on the verge of being triple what they were a year ago, stuff changes. But, um, you know, something that I talk about when I do these kind of conversations is that, again, Simple, like I'm not gonna dive deep. Like, okay, we have people renting that don't wanna rent, they wanna buy, we're gonna be okay. So we've gotta go and, and take that approach and, mm -hmm. and you know create more inventory where rental rates are the highest they've ever been in the country. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're in for a disruption of you know the rules of real estate and the trends changing pretty rapidly probably in the next two to three years have you seen prices adjust with interest rates or is it just stabilized more than i mean stuff's not dropping especially dfw yeah but it's 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 relative right and i think that <clears throat> rarely did people tell the full story like you oh my god i sold my house at the peak of the market did you move in with your parents no we bought so you bought at the peak of the market yeah right so it, it's it's again it's very very simple stuff but yeah, I mean, there was a phase where people were getting way more than they should have gotten, and maybe they took it and moved to a farm in Kentucky. But it is, it's been price reduction season the last few months, and mm -hmm. it's because people were not being realistic. And But again, they're going to sell their property for what's fair, buy something for what's fair, and then you know it's going gonna, it's gonna to level out. But mm -hmm. it's just when you see stuff. When Dallas was in the same conversation as the Las Vegas and L.A. and Miami, that's when it was a little bit nervous but or nerve-wracking but now it, it's fine mm -hmm. but again i think the next six months are unique 
What's the main reason that people aren't buying right now? Is it interest rates or is it just scared of the market? Um, I think it's a lot of reasons. I think a lot of people shouldn't buy, for one. Uh, and that's uh, the good news about what we have experienced the last six to nine, or the six months with the market adjusting is that it's not real estate's fault. Back when I was initially in real estate, it was real estate's fault. And you know, I'll share the story where the first home that I bought was on a thing called a no-doc loan, which was short for no documentation, which I was like, hey, I promise I'm good for the money. And literally, and I sold everyone their first house. And then I had a lot of friends that unfortunately foreclosed. Um, I'm not laughing at that. I am laughing. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a buddy that was in college. That was, he's like, I'll buy a house. I was like, man, I didn't know. I was like, I'll sell it to you. This is fantastic. And he bought a house in Devonshire. <laughs> and <laughs> six months later, he didn't own it anymore. Um, but it was just bizarre. But you look back, you're like, all right, like, I shouldn't have qualified to purchase a house. That guy definitely shouldn't have bought a house because he didn't have any income. Uh, but now it's not real estate's fault. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, obviously it's a little bit different now than it was. What is your advice to, let's say, you know, our friends who are 20s and 30s renting versus buying? How do you approach that? Uh, I mean, I'm not a, I think I'm an aggressive, I don't think I'm an aggressive salesperson. I'm not a pushy salesperson. And again, you got to feel it. If it feels good, then do it. But take the approach that your family or your big brothers or your aunts and uncles and your parents probably didn't take where they all want to be in their forever home in their dream neighborhood. It's like, no, just live somewhere for two to three years, build equity and buy the next place. And I think that taking a business approach to a pretty unprofessional industry is um, is a potential advantage. But there's nothing wrong with renting, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. It's just, but rent in a place where you can save money yeah. to go and eventually do something that makes you a homeowner. That's good. Okay. So what about investing? What are obviously, you know, you said you invest in liquid death, but how do you look at investing and, and what are the types of things you'd like to invest in other than maybe real estate? So I really don't invest in real estate, um, which some people are surprised, but it goes back to you know, I would rather, this is a more fun conversation than real estate. Yep. And um, yeah, stuff that I've done, my, my first kind of venture capital deal was about 15 years ago in a clothing company and I didn't know what I was doing and it, it was Mizzen in Maine. I was going to say, uh, yeah. 12 years ago. And I learned so much throughout it and I realized I could go and lever my real estate companies to actually benefit doing these VC deals where it just kind of turned into an obsession. And I really love stuff that I can plug into our incubation system with our agents, with my social media, with my friends. And it's stuff that just kind of makes sense. And the handful of deals that I've done where I'm like, didn't really understand, oil and gas deals, I've lost my face on it. Um, and some other ones, but yeah, it's, it's anything from drinks to food to clothing to um, kind of everything except for oil and gas and software. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of right place, right time. But it's like real estate or development or anything. Once you're kind of in the room, then you get access to 250 investors. You're there. And then you start to take a high level approach like, oh, my gosh, how do I go and actually couple all these relationships I've had for a long time to debrand the real estate Rogers and introduce them to potential investing deals? And I didn't realize how much people trusted me. And it's been a lot of fun kind of running point on doing some of these deals. But yeah, it's a gut instinct and something that I have to believe in and use because, you know, if not, it's not a genuine sell. Right. So what, um, I mean, we'll, we'll land the plane here and let you get back to your real job, which is probably your other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had eight likes on my last post. <laughs> feeling really good. Five of them were our other company accounts. So. There, yeah. 
That is gold. We uh, I actually realized I, I was kidding because she helps me with my social media. <laughs> so that I've said that jokingly. Yeah. Shout out to Daniela. Um, Let's go. I wish we could have the camera on over there because it's prettier faces it's not over there. It's hard. Like it's not. It's, they do a great job. It's just. I, I'm surprised whenever you go to like a celebrity that starts a company, and the celebrity might have a few million followers, and they have like a thousand followers in their company, and it just proves how hard it is to get people to pull away from one thing to go to the other. It's totally. It's, it's it's, I literally was taking a dive this morning. I don't know what it was. It's like Kevin Hart has a toothbrush. I was like, first of all, random, but secondly. All right, <laughs> but it doesn't have that many followers. Yeah, and I've never heard of it. I love Kevin Hart. I think it just came out, but still, um, yeah. You need his toothbrush. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah, the next thing we're pushing yeah, here. Yeah. Um, so, what do you see for, or if you got the? I mean, this is the classic land the plane question, but um, I'm gonna make it twofold. Land the plane question. Like we're we're we're, 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 finishing. we're ending we're finishing. this thing. <laughs> I like that. Um, it's like yeah, it's church. It's growing up in a church. It really? Like it's is like it? all right, Dad, you've. Your sermon is over an hour, land the plane. You really? Know? Yeah. Okay. Um, so am I the pilot? I'm more of like the, I'll be the you're fun the co-pilot. No, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the guy that everyone, as we're landing, I'm going to put peanuts on the ground and they're going to come down and you're going to grab good. one yeah. and then we're going to sing Yankee Doodle Dance. Yeah, that's good. Because I don't want to, I'm not going to be at the front of the plane because I'll be throwing up everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what do you see the biggest opportunity in the marketplace is right now? And then um, with that, what would you say to your 22-year-old Rogers that's just graduated SMU? Well, first of all, 22-year-old Rogers was a sophomore at SMU. <laughs> so 24-year-old Rogers, I would have said, graduate. Um, the opportunity, take, play the long game. And, and I think that was – I would if someone would have told me that, I would have said, see ya. I'm, I'm going to go work for my dad or do something else. But, yeah, I think just – be realistic and, and don't worry about what everyone else is doing, which especially in a city like Dallas, it's so freaking hard. But the opportunity is with the people that know you and trust you and love you. And if you can find a way to lever that, and whether it's the five people you know the most or the 5,000, that's, you get to be yourself for a living. Um, and I do think, you know, real estate has been great to me and I hopefully have been good to real estate, but you got to believe in what you're selling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also why I'm clinging to stuff like this and this is that, you know, it's still hard for me to walk in and be like, no, nah, the floor and the window, no windows, but yeah. like, yeah, you yeah. Know, the bomb shelter. Yeah. Um, but you gotta, you gotta trust your gut. And there's a lot of opportunities out there to do a lot of different things. And it's like a song when you hear a song and you're like, I have goosebumps. Cause I like, or when you meet your wife or your husband or your partner, it's like, that's how it should feel with your job. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the opportunity is, is significant. In a city like Dallas, we've got a hell of a lot of job security. Mm -hmm. Land the plane. <laughs> land, land the plane. plane. Any, any other questions? Nope. I think we land there. Rogers, how can people get, if you know they want an investment property, want to move, how can they get in touch with you, your, your team? The internet. <laughs> so I would just go to the internet um, and, yeah, social media. Um, you can find us kind of everywhere. But uh, Or if they want to be a realtor. Joinrogers.com. And then our website for the non-Rogers Healing Associate stuff is connectwithrogers.com. Um, and then social media, we're on everything. There was even a video that I found out yesterday of me dancing on TikTok. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're which, in the TikTok game. Yeah. Dangerous. Um, so I'm probably going to start doing some, some of that, some dancing. Um, <laughs> like just maybe, I don't know, there's a little yeah, taste. Uh, but yeah, just online, whatever we can do to help people, we're, we'd love to do it. I love it. There it is. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go land right. the plane. Yep. Ma'am. <laughs> Rogers, thanks for joining us. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that. And like we said, reach out to Rogers if he can serve you in any way.